You're listening to Traveling Down the Delta Blues Highway. I'm Erin Scott, otherwise known as Audio Chick. This podcast is about the blues history, people, music, and of course, traveling the Delta from Tunica to Vicksburg. You can find me where you listen to your podcasts at audiochick.net. That's chick without the K. Now, let's get on the road. This episode is about my talk with folklorist, academic, and Grammy Award winner, William Ferris. I grew up on a farm outside of Vicksburg, Mississippi, in Warren County, on the edge of the Big Black River. There were a number of black families on the farm, and our family were the only whites. And as a young child, I would go every first Sunday to the black church on the farm, Rose Hill Church, with a lady named Mary Gordon. And I learned to sing the spirituals and loved the services. And as I grew older, I realized that there were no hymnals in the church and that when those families were no longer there, the music would disappear. So as a teenager, I began to record the music to try to preserve it. That led to photographing the service and later filming it as the beginning of what became a career as a folklorist of documenting the blues and storytelling, quilt making, mule traders, prison inmates. I tried to capture everything I could learn, including writers like Eudora Welty. And so my career really began on that farm and I never left it in terms of my anchor and inspiration. I have left and returned to the South a number of times to study and to teach. The first time I was 15, I went to a school called Brooks School in North Andover, Massachusetts. And that was a major shock. They couldn't understand my English and I could barely understand theirs. And uh, Robert Penn Warren once told me that a fish never thinks about water until he's out of it. We don't think about our culture, in my case as a Southerner, until we leave it. And people don't understand our accent. They eat different foods. When they say tea, they mean hot tea, not iced tea. That was when I began to think about music and the blues, and the sounds of rock and roll, all of which in the 50s were part of my life. So that really was a wake-up call and also helped me appreciate the worlds that I grew up in as being distinct and important. Leaving the South, then and other times, I left to study folklore at the University of Pennsylvania, which allowed me to go back home and document those worlds that I grew up in. I taught African-American studies and American studies at Yale. 
which gave me a perspective about interdisciplinary study of culture like the South and helped me get a better perspective on my next chapter, which was at the University of Mississippi, developing a Southern Studies curriculum that in many ways was inspired by what I had done at Yale in Afro-American studies and American studies. And then I left Mississippi to go to the National Endowment for the Humanities when President Clinton appointed me as chairman in his second term. And my initiative there was based on the work I'd been doing in Mississippi, the online encyclopedias of every state, city, uh, and region, and also uh, regional humanities centers that we help support in 10 regions around the nation. So I've sort of swung in and out of the South. Now I'm back in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, and I've been teaching here since 2002, and my wife and I retired from teaching two years ago, but we're busier than ever writing and speaking and working with people that we care about. On my bucket list was always being a DJ. I love radio. And I love the color of music DJs, especially ones I grew up with, like John R. and the Hossman on WLAC in Nashville. When I was a teenager, I listened every Saturday night uh, to the blues that they played. I also listened to the Grand Ole Opry and to Hank Williams and and I would say things like, if you've got the heartache, the bellyache, or you're just plain lonely, stay tuned, because I've got a blues cure for you right here on Highway 61. And for 10 years, every Saturday night, I hosted a two-hour blues show from 10 to 12 in the evening. And I would get letters, all of which I kept from prison inmates on death row at Parchment and from their girlfriends outside the penitentiary and from people all over the Deep South who were able to pick up the program. And for me, it was a way of reaching out to people in ways that classroom teaching did not allow. And with the Internet, that's become a much bigger audience. I did a MOOC a couple of years ago, a massive online open course on the American South. And I did that with Coursera and the University of North Carolina. And it's, a, I think, a six or eight unit class on the South that prominently features the blues and we've had over 50,000 students all over the world take it. Well, that's yet another audience. That's more students than I've taught over my entire career. And it's a, you know, a new way of delivering the blues and 
educational resources through the internet. And today with the virus upon us, the internet has become more important than ever for teaching. And many of them are international in Europe, Africa, China, they're all over. I pretty regularly will hear from students who take the class and tell me how much they enjoyed it. So that's been a a very wonderful way of connecting to audiences that I never dreamed existed. You've got, when you wrote the curriculum and whatnot, how many, and even with radio, how many women are into singing the blues? Because it feels like it's mostly men. It also feels mostly like it's sad. What would you respond to that question? For me, women are the most powerful blues singers of all. If you listen to the lyrics of Ma Rainey or Bessie Smith, they are hard-hitting, raunchy, tough voices. And it was the women who first recorded the blues, Mamie Smith's, uh, that thing called Love, uh, was the first recording ever made, a 78 RPM record. And the women in every generation have been essential voices within the blues. Certainly men have gotten a lot of attention, but women for me are absolutely critical. Whether we're looking at the Mississippi Delta or Chicago, in the same way that in jazz, uh, you have Mina Simone and uh, Diana Washington, you have amazing female vocalists for both jazz and blues and gospel. Mahalia Jackson, you know, is the great gospel diva. I think women's voices now more than ever need to be showcased and profiled in ways that we can do. Do you think blues changed? And even with Katrina and New Orleans and people leaving the South, do you think blues is evolving and changing? And has it always evolved and changed? It has. It's like a river. The Mississippi River's waters can never be stepped in twice. The same water you step in will never be there again. It moves. The blues are constantly being transformed and influencing other musical forms, gospel, rock and roll, uh, hip-hop, rap. No musician plays any form of modern music in the 20th and 21st century without knowing about the blues and being influenced by them. As Muddy Waters once said, the blues had a baby and they named it rock and roll. Well, Elvis Presley's first record on one side had That's All Right, Mama by Arthur Big Boy Crip. And on the other side, 
a tribute to his hero, Bill Monroe, Blue Moon of Kentucky. So the blues is everywhere. It's also a cultural force. You have what people describe as the blues novels. Uh, Robert O'Mealy describes Huckleberry Finn, the great novel by Mark Twain, uh, as a blues novel because the voice of Huck, he argues, is a blues voice. Uh, you have blues poetry that began with W.C. Handy's lyrics that were very influential on the Harlem Renaissance and he influenced Langston Hughes and virtually every poet from that time on, including Alice Walker and Sterling Plump, have written blues poems. You also have blues art with the kinds of work that uh, the quilt inspired. Uh, so the blues is everywhere. It's a very important part of American life. And in novels like The Invisible Man by Ralph Ellison, there's a very important scene where you have a blues singer confessing what he's done and saying to cleanse his soul. He goes outside and sings the blues. So the blues really like kudzu, has spread its arms all over the world, and certainly in music, but also in literature and art and in painting and quilting. Uh, Romare Bearden's collages are heavily influenced by the blues. So the blues really is very, very important. Thank you for traveling down the Delta Blues Highway. I'm Erin Scott, audio chick without the K. Thanks to Ray Lundy for our weekly music. Come on back and listen to the next gem. <laughs>